Okay, that little snippet you heard was sent in from one of our listeners. Uh, Brian Judge sent that in. That's his work partner, Kevin Keene, and the band is called The Woods. I think he's the lead singer on that. We got a lot of people sent us music. It's really cool, and I enjoyed listening to it. So uh, really nice job, and we'll pick one every once in a while and play play some music. But um, thanks for sending, in the, sending the music in. And again, my email address is wayne.highlander at bona.com which is W-A-Y-N-E dot H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D-E-R at Bona.com. Don't send them to Rob because he has no listening sense for music. Um, again, uh, this is another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander. I'm the National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And Rob Johnson from Bona Training. All right. Um, today we're going to talk about hidden job site killers. So what did you just say? You know, I have no taste in music. Is that what you said? Uh, I'm nothing but taste, buddy boy. And at the end of this podcast, I'll prove it to you. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eileen Eileen and marketing want to hear a little Elvis. She's going to get a little Elvis. Really? Oh, thank you, Eileen. Hell yeah. Show (laughs) you taste, buddy boy. I don't, I, I've got no musical abilities whatsoever. I, um, I'm a huge music fan, and a, and a, I should be a movie critic. But uh, as far as actually doing it, that's not me. I, I've always said I'd give him five years off my life if I could be a lead guitar player in a blues band. But although if I see it now, though, I might be gone tomorrow. Who knows? So I'm not going to wait. Okay, so today again, we're going to talk about hidden job site killers. Uh, you know, the job's running smooth, everything's going along good, and it's that one thing that can just stop the progress and stop the profit on a job quick. Um, so we'll talk about a few of those things. And uh, I think one of them, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I've always said, if you look at the things that we have going on our side of the equations as installers and finishers, and then you look at the, side, the things that could go against you, um, you know, there's a there's a whole lot of things that could, that could go south. So... Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I think really could be a job site killer, and we talk about it a lot, is uh, communication with the homeowner. Communication and expectations. Um, uh, for instance, uh, and this is quite common, that the homeowner comes in, you know, they've been gone, they come back, and you've got the first or second coat of finish on, and they go, well, I thought you were going to fill all these gaps. That's a tough conversation to have. And, um, 
you know, maybe you got a great reason for not filling the gaps, maybe because of the time of year in the South and what have you. Um, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, kind of tough to talk about now. So making sure the expectations are in line before you even start the job. So you don't have these things that come up in the middle of the job that are, uh, that are, uh, kill the momentum on the job. We had a guy come to one of the schools and uh, he had one of the best ideas I've ever seen in my life. He gave the people at the start of every job an entire list of everything that he could think of, like you were just talking about, whether it was choosing the stain or filling the gaps, all that stuff. It was really, he set the expectations and and the tone for that job. And then at the end of the job, he gave him another piece of paper of how to take care of the floor, what to do. He really went out of his way. It was one of the best pieces I ever saw on how to completely set all your expectations. I thought it was a great idea. To get it in, especially to get it in writing, because, you know, so many times we do so much of it verbally where this guy just, whatever he could think of, it was on the, and it was, you know, really nice, professional looking. I thought, man, I gave a copy to my son. I said, you should try this. I like this idea. Yeah, Bum and and Pauline were on a three-way call talking about that. (laughs) You told me you you weren't going to talk about Pauline anymore. I thought we were done with that. I just can't. (laughs) Yeah. Did I ever tell you you how I met her? Yeah, you did. Uh, let me tell you this story. Yeah, you talked about it. Oh, I don't think I did. I don't think I ever told you how I met her. Driving my work truck. Breaks down in the middle of the highway. Call AAA. Out comes this, you know, greasy guy in a pickup, uh, you know, tow truck and everything to work on the truck. And don't you think that uh, it was Pauline? She was a grease monkey. Covered in grease. No head kidding. to toe. Yeah. Covered in grease, head to toe. The jack was broken. She had to lift the car up herself. It was uh, it was unbelievable. Wow. She had a crew cut. Uh, you know. I thought she, you met her at a prison sh- hospital, women's hospital. No, that was uh, that was somebody else. Women's women's yeah. prison? No, somebody else. Yeah, that was. Sorry. The, Hope I you must be mixing that story up that. with somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, chewing tobacco. You know, kind of a mess. And I thought, you know what? There's something there. There's something there. I know I can, you know, I know I can clean her up. Turn yeah. Around. Turn around, turn around. And, you know, I mean, yes. you see what she looks like nowadays. It's, oh, I, I got myself in the back. I really did a great job yeah. on her. Yeah. Yeah. You Sometimes have. you got to look for those hidden gems, you know? Yeah. She's one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, all right. Hidden job site killers, Rob. Mm-hmm. You still there, Rob? I'm still here. Okay, then let's not make this weird because I talked about your wife again. <laughs> I, you know, doesn't have to be that way. All right, I'll tell you my hidden job site killer. Stain colors. So many times people, um, you know, you give them the stain, they're, they like the sample on their own floor. Everything is great. But then when they see it, and it's in a, the entire room and not just a small sample that um, tended to be an issue for us sometimes. That was when, because when you said, let's do a podcast about job site killers, I was thinking, yeah, that killed me on a couple of sites. I mean, it really did. 
even when they accepted it, you know, one of the things I think we're always striving for is to be the guy. You know, you want that homeowner to say, I got a guy. And referral work to me is not how much, but when can you get in here? And even though they accepted it, I know they weren't happy with it. And I know it's not going to get a referral there. So to me, uh, colors, stain colors was always uh, one of the few job site killers that we, we would run into now and then. Well, and, and, and along with that is, uh, you know, if you're planning on staining the floor Wednesday, and you show them the sample on Wednesday and well, okay, well, I'm not sure. Let's look, let me look at it tonight or talk to my husband when he gets home, whatever. Then you just killed all that time. So having that conversation ahead of time, so it doesn't stop the job or stall the job out. I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I think scheduling also is a, can be a killer. You know, you, nothing like, I just saw a picture on Facebook today. Uh, the guy walked into a job, he took a picture of it. He goes, yeah, they said that they're ready for me. And uh, there's there's stuff everywhere. Then there's other trades guys on the jobs and what have you. And um, I I have little patience for it. I I think um, you know you can. It's always a good sign when you're working with a good general contractor when you show up to the job and it's always the same trades on the job, the same guys. You know the same tile guy that we on a job before. They got the same electrician or the same trim carpenter. That to me is a good sign that uh, this guy understands that he gets it. He pays his subs well, what have you, and he schedules everything right. And uh, I, 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 I like to see that. Um, one thing I learned really on is, uh, uh, you know, and I think I think young contractors are more vulnerable to this. You know, they 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 kind of get pushed around a little bit, and they they say, well, hey, this is what you got. You got to get in there and do that. And I think you know, you they have to make a decision. You know, who's actually running my business? And uh, I have very little patience for, for uh, scheduling issues at uh, coming from a GC. There's, there's a lot of great general contractors out there, a lot of really great general contractors, but that is a particular uh, – uh, you don't get me twice if it happens. You have, to, um, you have to stay two weeks out. You have to be talking to that – if you have a job scheduled with a builder or when we had a job scheduled with a builder because – we had that a couple of times where we showed up Monday morning ready to go, and they're like, oh, sorry, you know, I should have called you. And, you know, now I've got a giant hole in my schedule. Uh, I didn't want to golf or fish that week, you know. So it, that was what I always thought was the killer with those guys. So we started hounding people two weeks. Sometimes if it was close, we'd go and see the job site just to make sure that these guys are going to be ready for us when they're saying they're going to be ready for us. Absolutely. Yep. You know, that doesn't, you don't, you don't work that into the bid, but, uh, absolutely. It, it makes sense. Uh, I was on a job with my, uh, my brothers, we got to the job and, and it was a general contractor doing the work and he had, you know, electricians and he, you know, he was responsible for the other trades, but, uh, I was hired by the homeowner. I had nothing to do with the in fact he was on a contention with him because he wanted to bring his uh, floor guy onto the job. And, uh, I had already done work for them in the past on another house. So, um, all my communication was with the homeowner and uh, we came up to the job and there was an electrician on the job and uh, we hooked up our sanders and we we're getting ready to go to work and uh, he killed all the power on the job, the electrician. And he was up on the roof and I, I you know, I shouted up at him. I said, Hey man, I said, we, we, what, what happened to the power? He goes, yeah, I, 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 all the power is going to be off today. 
I said, well, that, you know, that's a problem because I'm scheduled to be here right now and, you know, I got to go. He goes, yeah, it's not going to happen. So we took the ladder off the roof. You know, the ladder that went to the roof, we, we removed it. And um, he goes, what are you doing with my ladder? I said, well, if I don't work, nobody works. So um, that's the way it's going to go. So my brother goes, man, that guy's pretty big, Wayne. I go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the longer he was up there, the bigger and the meaner he looked and got. So um, I had the homeowner call the general contractor, and uh, I said, you got an electrician on the roof right now. And he goes, what's the problem? I said, the problem is he doesn't have a ladder because I got the ladder. I'm not letting him down off the roof and because uh, he killed all the power to our job. And uh, we don't have, this is it. We got to go or it's a reschedule and no one's got time for that. He says, all right, well, go ahead and go. I said, no, actually, you probably ought to get back to the job and do it yourself this guy's a, this guy's an animal so we let him get down off the roof and let the contractor come on back down but we got our power we got to get going again so scheduling other trades job other guys on the job making sure that uh, i mean that could be you know nothing worse than a tile guy with his tile saw in the room you're getting ready to go a lot of that you know and i think a lot of that with deal, dealing with general contractors is you set the expectations um you know, and I, I think if, you know, you got to show them you're the kind of, kind of guy you're going to start on time. And then the other part of that, the other side of that equation is that you, you do what you say you're going to do also. Um, by showing up on time and doing the, the work in the, in the, you know, in the schedule time that you have, you doing your part of the part of the job as well. But scheduling could be a killer. That electrician didn't beat you to death. No, because, and he would have, the guy was huge. And, uh, that's why I had to wait till the general contractor came back. And even with my brother, I said, what do you think? General, he goes, man, this guy's, this guy's, a, this guy's an animal. I go, yeah, well, we'll just wait till his boss gets back. <laughs> How about another job site killer, Wayne? Patchwork after you got a couple coats down, throwing in patches, the shake boards. Well, that's a different matter. The shake boards and Pat Pat's job should have been done before the coats, but a shake board, absolutely. Nothing worse, nothing like getting that first coat of finish on and look over and see the uh, see the bubble they got underneath one of those. Yeah, how do you deal with them, Rob? We used to just drill a pinhole, pump some epoxy, and sand it. Yeah, super glue works really well. You know, I speaking of which, I talked to a guy not long ago. And I thought it's a pretty good idea. He works, with, you know, does a lot of number two common uh, for this one builder, and he roughs off the floor with thirty six grit, and then he uh, water pops the whole floor, uh, looking for those shake boards. And that's, that's a pretty interesting take. I never thought of that, but uh, might work. But yeah, I can see a flaky board coming up. But uh, the key to those type of things is, and with any issues you have. And so many times when someone says, hey, I had a problem on a job, uh, you know, I got a halo around the edges or whatever, and well, how would I fix it? But they've already moved on to the next step. You know, they've already put a coat of finish on it, you know, instead of fixing it at the time of the problem. Yeah, that'll so, go yeah. away. Uh, that was my that was yeah. my famous saying. Don't worry yeah. about it. That'll go away. You, you, usually things don't look better with the next coat. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they will, but oftentimes not. You know, during the last break, you told us that you had web fingers. Now, I really, I've yeah, never heard of anybody having web fingers, except for you know, uh, like Aquaman or something like that. So, 
Are you a better swimmer than the rest of us? Or are, were you just kidding around about these web fingers? Well, actually, this is painful to admit, but I, I cannot swim, and I do have web fingers. I mean, I could, if I'm in a pool, like if, I, if I'm on one side of the pool and it's like 16 feet to the other side, absolutely, I can swim that distance. But if there's no, you know, if I'm in a lake and I fall out, it's over. So you can swim. Panic you just said you quick. can't swim, but you can swim. Oh, there's a difference. Trust me. I could swim to the edge of a pool, but put me in a lake and I fall out of a boat, I'm dead. But you have webbed, you have I, webbed I, hands. I do. I, I'll tell you how I found that out. I was a senior in high school, and I was going to get fitted for my high school football ring. Oh, I, I knew you'd uh, get high school football in there somehow. That a boy. Yeah. Uh, did you so, play a little ball, Wayne? <laughs> you know, I had a, that's funny you should ask. I did play a little uh, ball. Uh, but when it went to fit the ring on me, and none of the rings would fit. And then finally, the guy, he said, let me see your hand. He looked at my hand. He spread my fingers apart. He goes, you're never going to be able to wear a ring. you got webbed fingers. So uh, I don't I don't yeah. even think that's a thing. I, I think you're making I, that up. I don't I could, think the guy wanted to sell you a ring. I think it's quite common. All right, actually. looking. I could have some cosmetic surgery done, but that's not where I would start. There's a whole bunch of cosmetic surgery before your web fingers, before you're fixing that. Yes. Uh, that's what I'm seeing. I could uh, now, here's what I here's list. what I want you to do. We have a website or something, right? Where we post in pictures all the time. Right, the Bona Pro website. I'd like to see a picture of these web and I bet everybody else would like to see a picture of these these giant web hands of yours on that pro site. So snap a photo. Let's get would, it up there. We'll send it over to Erica. She can post it. But we definitely okay. I know there's a lot I know right. I want to see it. So You talk about And I can't believe I it doesn't help swim. you swim. No. I, you know, I, re, you know, a lot of, I don't know if people don't know. I moved a lot in my life. I, I moved, my dad was in service and I lived everywhere. And I remember to this day in a double decker bus in England, driving to a swimming pool with my mom and the rest of my three brothers. And my mom asking me this question and my mom was Irish in her accent. She asked me, she asked us all, she goes, do you know how to swim? <laughs> I mean, what kind of question is that from your mother? How, how, if anybody should know how, we, if we swim or not, you should know. So we, I said, yes, I figured, you know, they just drop you in the water, you go. I didn't, you know, not until I got in well, the water. Well, you had a good positive attitude realized, about swimming. I Especially did, but I could swim when you have, you know, hands of a duck. So you're ready to go. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we moved to Tennessee and, uh, my wife and I, there's a, there's a place in the middle of nowhere. It's called Kyle's Ford. No one's ever heard of it. There's one general store. So uh, we drove out there. And um, the, but at this general store, they will take you upstream. They rent canoes. So you can either go up seven miles and they drop you off or you go up 14 miles and they drop you off. And then you float back and that's, you know, it's a, that's the day. So my wife goes, uh, gosh, I think this would be great. It's be really, you know, nice. It's real quiet, romantic. We'll do, you know, and I said, well, can I bring my fishing pole? And she goes, yeah, sure. So I, I brought my Loomis fishing pole. Well, anybody knows anything about bass fishing? Loomis is an expensive rod. And uh, I said, honey, well, you know, the guy says, which way, how far do you want to go up? I said, 14 miles. And she goes, well, wait a minute, Wayne. I, I think we should only go up seven miles because, you know, we've never really been in a canoe together and, you know, we don't know anything about this river. I said, honey, I mean, yeah, we'll go 14 miles. So she goes, oh, I really don't feel good about it, but, uh, you know, if that's what we're going to do, okay. 
So the guy takes us 14 miles up the river and um, we get in the canoe and we paddle around for, you know, a little bit, you know, to make sure we're in sync and everything. And we take off 40 yards upstream. We hit a riffle. And I mean, it's not even a, it's you, by no stretch of imagination, could you call it a rapid or what, whatever it was a, simply a small riffle and we capsized. And as I was going out, I told myself, cause panic, you know, sets in real quick. My wife can swim. She was on a swim team. She can swim. Uh, as with the boat was sinking, I told myself, hold on to the rod because you know, it's my Loomis pole. It's a $300 rod. And, um, I found myself in the water in no time and rushing water. And the uh, first thing I look at my hand, I dropped the pole. Pole's gone. The, the, the canoe's gone. And, I'm not even thinking about my wife's safety. Whatever happens to her, I, good luck. I'm I'm trying to make it to the bank. We make it to the bank. We're standing there, and the canoe's now sunk because I, you know, it's like trapped between two rocks, and it was there. So we had to do the loser walk 14 miles back home. And my wife reminding me that we should have went seven miles instead of the 14. So no, I can't swim. That was uh, okay. She was yeah. okay. Did you um, lose the pole? Yeah, my wife. Oh, I lost the good, pole. Good, good. Yeah. I mean, you deserve to lose a pole. The, the, the minute pole. I, I, well, I you deserve did. to lose a pole. Come the on. first thing you're thinking about is a pole, and not your lovely bride. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. Or did you yeah, tell her that? That's that's coming from a man who doesn't panic when he sees water. So it's probably some poor country kid out there fishing with a three hundred dollar rod somewhere. <laughs> All right, so moisture's an issue, don't you think, Wayne? Can't that be a job site killer? I mean, well, of you, course you, it is, Rob. You've been around the block. I've Why been around the block a couple like of times, and I go in and I measure yeah. the moisture content to the subfloor, and it's close to twenty. Now I'm done. I gotta leave. Do I? Yeah. yeah well, Do I, I have got, to I, leave? I got some. No, not anymore, uh, Rob. All right. Yes, because we've got this product called. Bona R540 sealer. Plywood subfloor. Now, here's the thing. You get to the job, you got two choices, right? Uh, now, picture yourself. You got two guys behind you. You got the week scheduled out to do the floor. The homeowner's going to Florida. She's so excited. She can't wait to get the floors done. The builder's got guys coming up behind you. He gives you a little time that you got to get this job done. And then you stick the moisture meter in the subfloor. You got two choices. You, you roll the dice and you say, you know what, I, you know, everybody, all these expectations on me, I got the schedule, I got these guys I got to pay, I'll go ahead and just do the job and hope it doesn't cup. Or you do the right thing, which would be to, to wait and say, you know what, this, this job can't go right now. It's, it's not within two percentage points or four percentage points, depending on the floor. And uh, we all know what that does to the schedule. The Bona R540 on the wood subfloor with one coat protects you up to 20% moist protection, which is huge. Uh, on a, on a uh, concrete floor, subfloor, it protects you up to 95 and, and 18 pounds and with two coats. So uh, these guys also, if you're on a wood subfloor, doing a nail glue assist, you're doing the, using the, the sausages, but you're worried about you know not having the felt paper down, they, we got you covered now. So there you go, Rob. So one of the hidden job site killers, we just killed it. How about that? We killed them. All right. Just killed it. So you, you got another uh, another job site killer? I got one if you Go don't. Go ahead. Give me yours. I'll think about mine. All right. 
Power. I just talked about that too. Uh, power on a job, especially a commercial job. Uh, if you haven't gone out to the, if it's a big commercial job and you haven't investigated the power situation or talked to an electrician, uh, we know a lot of times these uh, commercial jobs run on 208 instead of 220. Uh, plan ahead. Uh, if you don't have, uh, and for goodness sakes, don't be using the alligator clamps. Uh, I was taught that very young that, uh, to use alligator clamps. It's so wrong. It's unless the guy was just trying to kill me. I don't know. Uh, I always say that, you know, if we were making NASCAR money, then maybe it's worth risking your life, but, uh, we're not. So stay, be very careful inside those. Well, especially boxes. power is so like, important now with the, you know, today's equipment. So when you do go into that job that's running 208, you can kick it up to 220. You know, in the old days, we called them boosters, where all they did was boost power. But we've seen 208 in one house, and the house next door was 242. So you can either dial it down to the 220, or you can dial it up. That's the great part about having these power stations, is to give you that consistent flow of electricity that you need for today's equipment. Yeah, as we know, some of these power grids are running really hot now. So, and you're right. Uh, you used to be able to just bump up the power. And a lot of times what it, it's, you need to bring the power back down. You know, Wayne, when I had my company, it was really just my partner and I. We didn't have employees. I can imagine that employees have got to be a job site killer. Well, yeah, they can. I mean, you know... Um, Employees calling in sick and what have you. The thing is, you just can't have it. You, you know, I tell, always, always tell my guys, much better to die on the job site. Just don't call in sick, ever. There you go. Let's move to the next one now. Solve that one. You're not allowed. Calling in You're sick. You're not allowed to call in sick. Calling in sick. No. i tell you about, we had a guy one time, and this guy is a young kid, good-looking kid, strong, played ball. And uh, we're, we're we're down to the sanding, and he's he, you know he's doing the he's doing the stairs right. He's sanding the stairs. Actually, I take it back. We were staining the downstairs, and uh, he was finishing up detailing the stairs. And he's sanding underneath the uh, the nosing on the stair, and, and he, he got a splinter that ripped into his uh, his finger right under the nail and went out the other side. So yeah, about an inch long sliver that went through his skin. He comes over to me, he's holding his hand, he's bleeding, right? He's bleeding on my floor. And uh, he's holding his hand, he goes, he goes, oh man, oh man, I, I got this, I got a splinter. So I said, oh, come here, come here, I got you. So I took, I escorted him to the front door, I had him out on the front porch, and I locked the door behind him. And we went back to staining. Uh, you just, you can't bleed on the floor, you can't sweat on the floor. You can't come in sick, you, you can't get sick. can't come in sick. You can't no, take vacations. don't do it. No, uh, that's why guys didn't last too long with you, though. I think I just thought of a real good job site killer. What's underneath the carpet? Sometimes it was like, let's make a deal. What's behind curtain number one? Even though we go in, do the estimate, take a peek under the carpet, we never pulled all the carpet up. How many times did you find that surprise underneath there? Well, I mean, there's times you can't get underneath the carpet, but um, I, like I said I, before, I, I have a rule that I, I tried to never break, and that is if my eyes don't see it, I don't believe it. So um, you got to leave room in the schedule for, for something like that and charge accordingly because, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to find underneath there. 
and it could be a total job site killer. So you got to come prepared for something like that. We tore it up one and time, and we even... found half a dining room was plywood. They had removed the floor, and it ended up being a too thin job, and it was a it was a nightmare. And trying to get paid for it, and explain to him, and you know, the guy was almost like, "Well, you know, it's kind of on you." I'm like, "No, it's not really on me." It's. And speaking of carpet, we'll see though. Speaking of these knucklehead carpet guys, that picture I showed you the other day my kid sent me of the tax strip all around the radiator and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, what would you rather do? They get paid by the staples. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you rather pull a tax strip or would you rather be pulling those staples underneath the, the nosing holding down the carpeting? Yes, that's uh, neither one of it is fun. I think they get paid by the pound. Especially on the stairs. Might be. I don't know how many oak stair treads I saw that just got completely destroyed. I doubt there's any carpet guys listening to this, but if you are, give us a break. Will you? Well, what are you doing? You're, you're killing it. Um, I've, iPhones, something we really never had to deal with. Um, after we got out of the trade, uh, the iPhones came along with the pictures and all the other stuff and everything and Facebook and social media. And, uh, it, it's a uh, man, it could be a killer on a job site. It really can. I mean, I think if guys don't realize, and I'm not talking about owners, I'm talking, you know, you know, having employees, what have you, well, even owners, the amount of time that you can spend on an iPhone and go down these rabbit holes instead of working. You know, I used to have to wait till I got home to talk to my wife. Um, now that's uh, so accessible, you know, there's good and bad that comes along with it, but uh, the iPhone there, really can You know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think there is some good with the iPhone, too, thinking, you know, now that we're talking. A job site killer I had one time, we installed a floor in a kitchen, and it we knocked it out of the park. It was beautiful. But she came in. Now she's looking down, because before she wasn't looking down at a ratty old linoleum floor. Now she's looking down, and she sees how beat up her cabinets are. And she's trying to pin it on me. Like, uh, you know, you scratched up this, scratched that. I go, no, that was all there before. So, you know, one of the things that we talk about at the school, take that iPhone and take a picture of everything. Crack molding, scratches on furniture, scratches on cabinets, whatever. So as much as the iPhone can be a job killer, I think sometimes it can really save you from being killed on a job. Because like I said, that even though... We finally got away from that job. I know she wasn't giving us referrals because she truly thought that we dinged up her cabinets, but they were like that. If I had had pictures yeah, to prove no, it. Yep. No question. I mean, there's a flip side to all technology and 100%, you know, using it to document things is, is huge. And these apps, like you can even, you know, document it. You can send it off to the cloud uh, in case you ever need it. Absolutely. comes in very handy but uh for you watching uh mario on facebook when you're supposed to be uh edging the corners that's a different different game watching who i think i, I see I, I don't do video games I, I you know you know what i don't do video games i was on a plane i was on a plane i was coming back from dallas and there was a man and a woman sitting together i was behind him by two rows to his side and he was on the outside. She was in the middle seat. And this, you know, guy looks like he's about 55 years old. And he was playing one of those, I mean, low, 
like a child would play video game. You know, like if you, you have a slingshot or something, you, you wind it back and you got to knock these balls over. And this man was doing this the whole plane ride home. A, a grown man in his 50s, I thought to myself, is there nothing in your life more important than that gig right now? He's sitting next to his wife. Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know what her, maybe they don't talk, I don't know. But I thought, what a colossal waste of time. So I don't do video games myself. I know they're very popular. Also, probably because I, I, mean, I don't want to get into them. But uh, for our listeners yeah. out there, if you like playing that game, you know, more power to you. Just enjoy yourself. Forget about Wayne. He's an old, he's a crotchety old dude, you know. And that's how they don't get that. You know, sometimes people like playing games. There's nothing wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, where's that hostility come from, Rob? <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, man. Uh, yeah, the guy's just playing a game. Was somebody, he bothering who hurt, who, you? You know? Who hurt you? Yeah. Who hurt you? What? Hurt you, you know, here's another thing, too. I just what simply, are you doing staring at people over their shoulder? Are you that guy on the plane? You're staring at people. Uh, you're the, checking the, people. You're reading their emails and everything. No, I, you know, my eyes, I couldn't <laughs> see. If I, if I could see that far, I'd be happy. <laughs> But no, it's just irritating. I just want to ask the man, you're 55 years old. Have you nothing better to do than play with this game that little like little seven or eight-year-old kids would play? But I digress. Um, so a lot of these things we're talking about, uh, job site killers, I, I think one thing I think is uh, that we should mention that, that sometimes the best move is to say no. You know, if things aren't lining up the way they're supposed to be, as much as we want to stay on schedule, as much as, uh, uh, you know, you're paying for the guys and what have you and the expectations, sometimes if the job's not right, the answer's no. And for younger guys especially, I think sometimes maybe intimidated to or, or – and, and I'll give the NWFA a shout-out. You know, one thing I like about the National Flooring Association is, you know, you get beat up every day out in the field. You know, the, why can't you go? I need the floors done now. Don't worry about the moisture. We never had this problem before. The other guy would have done it. All these other things that you keep getting hammered with. Well, there's an organization out there called the National Flooring Association that that there's reasons why we don't do these things. There's science behind it. There's rules behind it. There's There's a whole body of people just like you, passionate people about the trade, that say, you know what? No, the conditions aren't right. It's not the right thing to do. And it's okay. It's like I said. You, that's why you got in business to to work for yourself. Uh, and it's perfectly fine if the conditions aren't right and the things aren't right to to be able to stand your ground and say, you know something, uh, this job ain't right. And some of the best jobs out there are the ones that you don't take and get forced into situations that put you put yourself in a bad light. And so, uh, as t- tough as it is, sometimes you got to say no. There you go. There you go. Okay. So this has been another episode of, uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's my Elvis song? As the snow flies that... on a cold and gray Chicago morn, a poor little baby child is born in the ghetto. In the ghetto? And his mama cries. Because if there's one thing that she don't need is another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto. That actually was pretty good. Pretty good, huh? I'm going to leave it right there. You like that? Yeah. I'm going to give it to you on this one, Robbie. That might be your wheelhouse. There you go. All right. So this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. Please stay tuned for another episode coming soon.